Okay, we need to discuss something very important to the Christian faith today. We need to discuss resilience under the pressure of resistance. Because our country is in a different state than it's ever been before. Government is starting to really resist your free, your freedoms and your rights, and it is up to the church to stand for truth, righteousness, and justice once again. This is your favorite night of the week. Welcome to the Deep End. All right, 7 p.m. And where are you? You are here, and I'm so glad that you are here. My name is Tim, the host of The Deep End, and welcome back. If you're back, welcome for the first time. If this is your first time, uh, please do me a favor. I uh, really encourage this. Follow us on all of our social media pages. Follow us on our website, thedeepend.tv. It's been re- uh, re-engineered, actually, the website, so check it out. Follow us on uh, Periscope, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, all those things. And, and make sure that you do this for me also as well. Please hit that like button and then hit the subscribe button and then hit the notification bell, because that's how you know when we are live. And I'm so glad that you are here with me on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. We are going to discuss some serious matters in the Christian faith as we continue with the life of David in just a moment. But because because the Bible is always relevant, it's important that we first introduce why it's so relevant in our day and age, because the Bible speaks to current issues, even those thousands of years old. Okay, so let's just show you something because this this is just making my blood boil. And and that brings me to uh, the news segment of the Deep End News. So check this out. Deep End News. The news you choose if you could choose news. Yeah, so last time we were together, we discussed the fact that uh, there's something in the waters over there in California. I don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> Something's going on. I want to show you this. Put it back on the screen. Deadline.com reported this. Entertainment industry workers are exempt from California. Governor Gavin Newsom's new stay-at-home order. In other words, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has made an exception for who? For who to not have to stay at home and quarantine and, and isolate and be lonely and depressed during COVID? One group of people. People who make movies. People who make us laugh. The court gestures of the modern age, if you will. This is really um, incredible to me. And it just kind of reminds me of something that Ronald Reagan once said very famously. He said, if fascism ever comes to America, it will come in the name of liberalism. If fascism ever comes to America, it will come in the name of liberalism. What does he mean by that? He means that the left wing side of America's politics will become an overreaching aspect of American life. And that's exactly what we're seeing happen. Where are the most stringent COVID lockdowns in left-wing cities and left-wing states run by Democratic mayors and governors? And, 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 and you say, well, you know, they got to protect their citizens. I get it, but there's such a thing as freedom and responsibility. And, and, and this has been the, the hallmark of American liberty for 250 years to say we trust our citizens to make good decisions and, and remember that we, we, we formed the Constitution, not we, but our founders formed the Constitution to guarantee the rights of a free people, that we would have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and so you have these things where now governors are making choices as to who's free and who's not free. And I wonder if this one with Governor Gavin Newsom isn't because the, the Hollywood elites like to donate to his campaign 
<laughs> I'm not sure. Well, this story came out, and I'm sure you probably heard about this. Uh, a Los Angeles uh, saloon or bar grill and saloon owner, Angela Marsden, uh, owner of the Pineapple Hill Grill and Saloon in Los Angeles, Sherman Oaks neighborhood. She went viral after she posted a video of herself and her outdoor patio uh, setup that she set up so that she could serve her customers within the confines of the COVID lockdown restrictions in Los Angeles. And they said, no, she could no longer do that. And then she took a video of her set up right next door to a Hollywood outdoor dining area, Hollywood studio outdoor dining area. Maybe you've seen the video, maybe not, but I think it's so important that we spread this news. We spread and help her get her message out because it is ridiculous. Uh, I want to show you the video. Check this out. It's about two minutes long. Let's watch it together. So this is my place, the Pineapple Hill Grill and Saloon. If you go to my page, you can see all the work I did for outdoor dining, for tables being seven feet apart. And I come in today because I'm organizing a protest and I came in to get stuff for that. And I walk into my parking lot and obviously Mayor Garcetti has approved this. Has approved this being set up for, this being set up for, for a movie company. For the Hollywood show Good Girls, actually. The, the, the comedy, Good Girls. That's what that's set up for. Good Girls. Who I'm that? losing everything. Everything I own is being taken away from me. And they set up a movie company right next to my outdoor patio, which is right over here. Now look at right here. And people wonder why I'm protesting and yeah. why I have had enough. Enough. <laughs> they have not given us money and they have shut us down. We cannot survive. My staff cannot survive. Look at this. That's her patio area. Same exact thing, 50 feet away. Tell me that this is dangerous, but right next to me is a slap in my face. Yes, it is. That's safe. This is safe? Yeah. 50 feet away? This is dangerous. Mayor Garcetti and Gavin Newsom is responsible for every single person that doesn't have unemployment, that does not have a job, and all the businesses that are going under. And we need your help. We need somebody to do something about this. Yes. I post that to the deep end because uh, it's incredibly important that we we are aware of this. And thank you, Angela Marsden, for putting that out there and saying something. I mean, people have got to say something. The only good, the only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. Edmund Edmund Burke, right? Ronald Reagan was so right. If fascism ever comes to America. It will come in the name of liberalism. Let's describe fascism because a lot of times we call right-wingers fascism in, in our political discourse. Fascism is free uh, private ownership with government regulation from top to bottom. The government gets to decide who's open, who's not. The government gets to decide when you do business and how you do business and, and who you can serve and who you can't serve. And it's exactly what's happening. It's exactly what's happening with, like, with uh, um, uh, uh, bakeries that want to that wanna serve and run their business according to their Christian convictions, uh, like Jack Phillips out in Colorado. And, and the government came down on him because he didn't want to paint decorative art on his cakes for lesbian and gay couples because he's a Christian. 
I mean, this is the government overreaching. This is where we are. This is the resistance that we are feeling as a culture right now. And it matters that we talk about these things because Christianity historically has always been a bulwark against government overreach. You have to remember this or any kind of, you know, overreach into people's lives. It has always been faithful Christians who have stood opposed to the establishment uh powers of the day, whatever, whatever day that is, whether it be uh, the Catholic Church in the 1500s or the Roman Empire in the first century or, or, or whatever number of other uh, freedom-limiting organizations or governmental structures that have hurt and hampered people from living free before the Father. It's been Christianity who stood up and stood opposed to that. We got to get back to this. Why is this important? Because, because the thing is that government doesn't like religion for one simple reason, because religion represents a higher government than government. That's what you got to realize. Religion represents that there's a higher government over government and government does not like that. Government, just like any other human institution, any other human heart wants to be its own God. I, I don't like to talk about these things, but these things matter in the COVID generation. Let me know in the comments below what you think. And uh, if you're not uh, following us yet, please do follow us at youtube.com slash the deep end TV, youtube.com slash the deep end TV. And if you would do me a favor also on, on YouTube, would you hit that like button? Would you also hit the subscribe button? And then lastly, and most importantly, hit that notification bell because that notification bell will let you know when we are live every time we are live here on the deep end. Well, anyway, this is what's going on in our country. It matters greatly. I hope you pay attention to it. I hope that you aren't ignorant of the realities of your world because these days are very discouraging to me and we're in the middle. Well, we're going into winter and I'm, I'm wondering how much worse is it going to get? And I've made a promise to my church. We are not going to close down again. We are not going to close down again. As long as, as long as governors allow Hollywood entertainers, the court gestures, gestures of the day to be open, the church should not close. And I support every Christian pastor who keeps his church open uh, during this incredibly insane time. Well, anyway, that's where we are. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but I have a book coming out and I want you to make sure, I want to make sure that you buy it. <laughs> it's at timhatchlive.com slash books, timhatchlive.com slash books. It's called Move, Entering into God's Promises for You. It's a study of the life of jo Joshua and Caleb and how they were the only two out of 600,000 Jewish men and women who actually made it to the promised land. So buy it over at timhatchlive.com slash books. It's my first book. I'm very excited about it. Coming out March 1st, 2021. And I think after a season, a, a year-long season of stopping, won't it be nice to finally move again? <laughs> anyway, let's move on in the deep end and uh, let's get into the life of David. Okay, the life of David today, we are talking about this. Let me put it up on the screen. We are talking about resilience in a world of resistance. Resilience in a world of resistance. Christians need more resilience today than ever before, I think, in my lifetime. Resilience is the ability to deal with, manage, or bounce back from opposition. To deal with, manage, or bounce back from opposition. That's what resilience means. 
Can we maintain our freedom? Can we maintain our faith? Can we maintain our rights as citizens of God's world, followers of the true son of David, Jesus Christ, under the auspices of a world that is dominated by Satan? Now, I've been talking about this from the beginning of our study of the life of David. The life of David is this. It is a composite. It is a picture of how we live faithfully as Christians, the followers of the son of David, Jesus, under the auspices of Satan's kingdom and Satan's kingdom in, in the story that we're going through through the Bible in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel is Saul's kingdom. So Saul's in charge physically or visibly, but, but Jesus, or David in this case, is in charge spiritually. Now, David is in exile. We are in chapter two of his life, phase two, if you will, uh, season two, where he has been ousted from the palace and he has been uh, on the run and he's been surrounded by and, and he has actually attracted to himself all the people who are desperate and depressed and downtrodden from Saul's kingdom. And he becomes the champion, so to speak, of these guys, the leader, 600 men, uh, 600 depressed, despondent men, 600 people who are sick of Saul's leadership. But now he's in hiding and he's running for his life and he's going from town to town and place to place. And um, the, the theme that we're going to get into in this passage, the theme that we're going to get into this, into this passage is the theme of how to be resilient when you face resistance and not taking matters into your own hand. Let me say that again, not taking matters into your own hand. We are, we are taught uh, in our country, we're taught in our world, in our culture, you got to take matters into your own hand. You know, you got you to fight for your right. You got you to do what's good for you. You know, uh, you got to step on people if you have to step on people. You have to, uh, you know, trodden down others. Take on the competition. When you, when you have a chance to, you go for it. Well, David is going to be confronted with something in this passage, in these two chapters. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 23 and 24 where he is going to be faced with the opportunity to take matters into his own hand, and he doesn't. Now, why do I say matters into our own hand? Because the word hand in this text, in chapters 23 and 24 of 1 Samuel, is a key word. It's actually used over a dozen times. Hand, the word hand. Now, what does the word hand represent in the scripture? The word hand represents, it's a figure of speech in the Bible. Uh, it, it means power. It means authority. It means having grip over one's life, over one's way of being. So uh, there's many times in the, in the Bible where we are, we are told to trust in the Lord and not take matters into our own hands. I'll give you a couple of examples. Romans 12, 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Or Isaiah 40, verse 31, uh, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, I want to make sure that we make one delineation here. When we talk about not taking matters in our own hands and we don't go to the other end of the spectrum, the other end of the extreme, which is the other extreme, which is passivity. Because this is where I think the church loses men. We're almost encouraging men to be passive. Men, men need to conquer. Men need to win. Men need to fight. Men are made to fight. And unfortunately, the problem is that men are fighting for the wrong things in our society because the church has told them to be passive about the right things. Adam failed in the Garden of Eden because he was passive as Eve talked to the serpent. He was passive. He should have been ruling. He should have had authority. He should have had control over that situation. He should have rebuked that serpent. 
He should have told him to get out of the garden. He didn't. He was passive. He was standing there watching his wife Eve have this conversation and she followed the devil right into sin and then he followed her into sin and we're in the mess that we are in because of a passive man. Make no mistake, Jesus was not passive. Jesus was active. He actively took on the punishment of our sins. He actively took on the cross. He actively took on death, hell, and the grave, right? So this is not a call to passivity, but it is a call to resilience in the face of resistance in a world that teaches us to fight, but fight for the wrong things. We as Christians have got to fight the fight of faith and sometimes Fighting the fight of faith requires that we don't take matters into our own hands. We don't fight for our rights. We don't fight for what is ours. And we trust God's timing. See, David is anointed to be king, but he's not king yet physically. Saul's still king. And he's going through the season of exile, wherein God is revealing his character, testing his character, and preparing him for his calling as king of Israel. So we're not talking about passivity, but we are talking about being a strong, mighty man or woman of God, where we trust the Lord's timing and the Lord's plan for our lives in spite of what we see. Um, David, chapter 23 of 1 Samuel, and and that's where we're going to go to uh, today. So here's the thing, the theme that I have for us here on the screen. Uh, oops, sorry, wrong, wrong, wrong sign. 1 Samuel, chapter 23, 24, um, when you cannot and or should not take matters into your own hand. Let's get into the text, shall we? Chapter 23, 1 Samuel, verse 1. Now they told David, behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. Okay. I want to talk to you about a resilient life. And I want to talk to you about it based on this text. First thing that we see, David's on the run and he hears that some of his fellow Israelites in a town called Keilah are being attacked by the Philistines. And David inquires of the Lord as he's on the run, shall I attack the Philistines? Remember I said that, that we're not talking about being passive because David is ready to go and attack the Philistines as he has been called to do to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. And he's becoming stronger and more resilient as, as God's man through continuing to do one important thing thing. And it's something that we tend to neglect. He's inquiring of the Lord. He's maintaining a prayer life. A, and I want to put it up on the screen here. A, a resilient life. I've got, I've got eight points for you about this. A resilient life maintains regular communication with God. Maintains regular communication with God. Let, let's go back to it. The, the, the Philistines were fighting against Keilah and, and David says, shall I go and attack? And, and God says, yes, go. Go, and, and four times in the first five verses of Samuel 20, 1 Samuel 23, David inquires of the Lord. He inquires of the Lord. He inquires of the Lord because he is going to listen to God. If you want to be resilient in the age of resistance, you've got to maintain and commun a regular communication with God where you are, you're fixing your thoughts in him, you're listening to him. And I want to tell you about prayer, this one key point about prayer. Um, prayer is a two-way conversation, right? When we when we talk to God, it's prayer. And when we hear from God, it's called reading our Bible. We talk to God in prayer and we hear from God in reading our Bible. Well, David didn't have the Bible at this time. It hadn't been written yet, but he did have Abiathar the priest. He had the ephod and there was these two uh, dice things in the ephod that, uh, you know, determined the will of the Lord back in the ancient world. But anyway, the fact of the matter is, is that David is ready to hear from God, no matter what God might say. Now let's go on. Uh, verse three 
But David's men said to him, behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah and attack the armies of the Philistines? Notice what happens. David hears from God and then his men say, no, we're not doing that. David hears God say, go and attack. And his men say, no, we're not doing that. What do you do when people that you are with in community tell you not to follow what God has told you in his word? This is where resilience comes in. This is where resilience comes in. This is why you have to maintain a communication line with your father because you will hear God say some things and then you will turn around from those moments and people will tell you the opposite. And if you don't maintain a prayer life with God, if you don't maintain time with the Lord, you're going to fall for the opinions of men. And that's what exactly what could have happened here with David. Let's go on in the, in the story. What happens when David hears people disagree with God? Look what it says in verse four. Then David inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord answered him. Same word. Arise, go to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. By the way, a key moment here, because the first time God just said go, but the second time God says, I will be with you. I will go down and hand these Philistines into your hand. You've got, to, you've got to maintain a communication line. When you get resistance from people around you as to what God has called you to do, you go back to God and you listen to him. You go back to his word and you follow it, right? That's, that's the key. And David and his men went down to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck with a great blow, verse five. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah and when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David, to Keilah, he had come down with the ephod in his hand. David maintains a line of communication with God. But secondly... A resilient life, and this is very important, not just maintains a regular communication with God, it values God's assignment for one's life over man's assessment. Mankind is always going to have an opinion about how you should live. Thus, the reason why I have such a problem with government overreach, because sometimes they're just full of garbage. They're just full of nonsense. They just pick and choose. Like, I, I'm, I'm doing a lot of flying lately. And, and, and I watch as these regulations about masks, we got to wear our masks, but then they hand you a drink and they hand you a snack on the plane to take your mask off. What's the deal? What does a COVID virus not spread when you are eating your snack, but, but it does when you aren't eating your snack? It makes no sense. <laughs> and then another thing about churches being closed down, but planes being open. So planes pe- packed with people. I've been on full planes with people masked up next to each other, less than a foot away from each other, masked up, and that's fine, but churches can't be open with masks on. You see what I'm saying? This is man's opinion, man's assessment of how you should live. That's just a small example of the struggle of the spiritual life. Because, and I'm not, I'm not making a, a policy comment here. I'm making a, a, a spiritual comment here about you've got to follow God and his assignment for you over the assessment of what people around you say. You've got to learn to listen to God in spite of what others tell you to do. Here, 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 here's a thought, and, and I like this thought. Learn to, learn to hear God because people have a nasty habit of lying. Amen? <laughs> learn to hear God because people have a nasty habit of lying to you, controlling you, manipulating you. The scripture says all men are liars. All men are liars. You got to have that discernment filter more than ever before as a Christian today. You got to have it up. Am I, am I hearing truth or am I hearing conjecture? Am I hearing... Um, Politics. Am I, am I hearing the assessment of men? We, we, we've got to get the truth. You know, I don't know about you, but it's been very frustrating for me to find any kind of news source that I can trust anymore. 
I just don't see one. I don't see one. I go to the ChristianPost.com. I go to stream.org. Uh, I wish I could recommend any others to you. I don't know of any that I, that I really that I can recommend. The news media lies to you. Higher education is lying to us. And they're all on the same side. Oh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. These places, man, they are picking and choosing who you listen to. They're stifling free speech. There's, this is as plain as day. And we've got to be aware of it because we are going to be encultured. We are going to be um, uh, cajoled into a, a spirit of the age. If we're not careful, we're going to have our radar alerted to what is the truth. And that's why the deep end matters. That's why this hour matters so that you can get back to the word of God and listen to him over the opinions of man that are all around you. Anyway, I got to continue. We'll never get through this text. Verse seven. Now it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah and Saul said, God has given him into my hand for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. Now look at this. This is so ridiculous. David, I mean, Saul actually says, God has given David into my hand. Are you, are you, are you crazy, Saul? Have you lost your mind? God, (laughs) God has not given you David. But this is just showing us the trajectory of Saul's life. He has started to walk away from the Lord. And this is a warning for all of us. The more you walk away from the Lord, the more delusional you become. And the funny thing is, is that Saul, instead of fighting the Philistines, which is what he was called to do as Israel's king, 1 Samuel 9, 16 says he was called to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Instead of doing what God called him to do, because he listened to man's assessment, assessment his own assessment, that was Saul's problem. He listened to the opinions of man and it led him right down and away from God. And eventually he was so disoriented, so delusional, he decides to attack the, the man who's actually helping him maintain his kingdom, David, out of jealousy, out of fear, out of envy. Anyway, that's man's assignment. Let's go on. Okay, verse nine. It says this, David knew that Saul was plotting against him. And he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, God of Israel, your servant has heard, surely heard, that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. Verse 11, will the men of Keilah, now, now listen, this is the people that, Israel, that, that David has just delivered from the Philistines. Will the men of Keilah, the people that I just delivered from the Philistines, will they surrender me into Saul's hand? <laughs> will the men that I just saved from the Philistines surrender me into Saul's hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Now, I want you just to show, I want to just show you something before we get to the next point. David asks two questions here. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into Saul's hand and will Saul come down? But God only answers one question. God only answers one question. Let's, let's go on in the text to see what happens. Then David said, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? Okay. David said two, asked two questions. He gets one answered. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop praying until he gets both answers. I think this is a very important point of the text. So he asks the, the question he didn't get an answer for again. Will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hands of Saul? You told me that Saul's coming down, but will it be handed over? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. This is, I, this is just terribly uh, frightful to me that the people that he just saved from the Philistines are ready to hand him over to Saul. Saul still has a lot of pull in the nation of Israel. It says, then David and his men who were about 600 rose and departed from Keilah and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David escaped from Keilah, he gave up the expedition and David remained in the strong ones of the wilderness in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hands. Okay. 
a resilient life, right? Maintains regular communication with God. We have a prayer life with God. We value God's assignment over man's assessment. But number three, a resilient life is prevailing in prayer. I don't want you to miss what happened there. David asks God a question, two questions. He gets one question answered, one question is not. David does not stop praying until he gets both questions answered. Will they, will Saul come down? Will they hand me over into his hand? And, and, and so prevailing prayer is a lost art. Prevailing prayer means I'm going to fight through in prayer until I see it, until I see it come to pass. Jesus very famously said these words in Matthew chapter seven, verse seven. He said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. And just look at that. Keep on asking, not, not ask once and then see if it happens and then give up. No, keep on ask, prevail in prayer. Keep on seeking. You will find, keep on knocking. The door will be open to you. Do we prevail in prayer? Do we prevail in prayer and seek God even when we don't think it's going to happen or we don't see it happen right away? Okay, we're going to go on in the story because there's another point here. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, verse 15. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish and Jonathan, Saul's son, da- rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear. For the hand of my uh, hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horish, and Jonathan went home. Okay, remember now that that David asked God, "Will Saul come down? And will he fight me? Will he come after me?" There's one more point that I want to make about a resilient life. If you're going to be resilient in a land of resistance and a world of resistance, you're going to have to be ready for the hard answers that the Lord might give you. As you seek him, as you pray, as you seek to do his will, he might tell you what you don't want to hear. He might tell you what you need to change. He might tell you that the problem is you. And so we've got to be careful when we pray that we don't just kind of like wait for God to give us the answer that we want. I'm sure David wanted to hear God say, no, he's not going to come down. No, he's not going to, they're not going to hand you over. But they did. And God said they would. And we've got to be ready to hear what we may not want to hear. The hard answers from the Lord. Now, the good news that we already read about is, is here in verse 15 to 18, when, when Jonathan comes down, because in the midst of all the opposition that David faces with Saul, he's got Jonathan. He's got a friend. He's got, he's got a man who will support him. What does Jonathan say? Do not fear. Oops, sorry. Do not fear for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. And then notice what, what Jonathan reminds David of. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Now, he won't be next to him because he will die, unfortunately, before, before uh, David becomes king. But the fact of the matter is, is that Jonathan is a voice of promise. He's a voice of assurance in David's life. He's a voice we all need. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, if you want to be resilient in the world that resists your faith, you've got to have a Jonathan in your life, which is number five in my list. A resilient life has faithful partners who remind you of God's promises. You got to have a Jonathan. You got to have somebody who's going to be there spurring you on to love and good deeds, as Hebrews chapter 10 says. You gotta have somebody who's willing to say, wait, wait, don't let what you see hold you back or keep you down on the path to what God has for you. So you prevail in prayer. You're ready for God's answers. You know, you, you got this, these first four are about your prayer life, but this, this next one is important, number five, because you gotta have a prayer partner. You gotta have a partner in 
faith. Uh, Ecclesiastes talks about this. Two are better than one, for they have a good return for their labor. If one falls, the other can pick them up. Remember when Jesus sends out the disciples, he sends about two by two, not one by one, two by two. Uh, Acts chapter three, Peter and John went to pray. Paul and Barnabas, Acts chapter 13, go into the mission field. This is, this is like all over the Bible that you need a partner. You need somebody who's going to be there with you, helping you through, strengthening your hand in the midst of the resistance that you're going to experience in this world. Let me ask you a hard question. Who's your, who's your David or who's your Jonathan? Who's your Paul or Barnabas? Who's your John or Peter? Who's that person that you can call on to pray with you, to lift you up? You need someone. Too many people put too much faith and hope in their pastor. The pastor is one man. He can't be friends with everybody. He can't be everybody's Jonathan or David. You need someone personally that you can talk to, that you can pray with, that you can call to call on when you need to be resilient in the face of resistance. This is why the Bible calls us to regular community, bearing one another's burdens, praying for one another, building one another up, loving one another, laying down our lives for each other. This is important or we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it in this post-COVID generation in which we live because the world is antagonistic to our faith. And if we're going to stay strong, we have to stand together. Can I get a good amen in the comments below? All right. Well, let's continue in the text. Verse 19. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, is not David hiding among us in the strongholds of Horsh? Now look at this. The Ziphites are also willing to hand over David. The, first it was the Kelahites, if that's a word, the, the men of Kelah. Now it's the Ziphites. By the way, don't you love the names of the places in the Bible? The Ziphites. And they go up to Saul. They say, hey, David's hiding among us in the strongholds of Horsh in the hill of Hakilah, which is south of Jeshimon. Now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire to come down. And our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hands. I mean, David's betrayed again and again and again by the people that he is saving from the Philistines. This, this is the walk of faith. You're going to do the right thing that God calls you to do. You're going to get resistance from the world around you. And even the people that you help sometimes are going to spit in your face. They did it to Jesus. They'll do it to you. It's not an easy road to walk this walk of faith. Now, right here in verse 19 of chapter 23 of 1 Samuel is where David writes Psalm 54. So he's been, he's been betrayed by the Kelahites. He's been betrayed by the Ziphites. And what does he do? He maintains that communication line with God. He prays. And one of his prayers is recorded here in the Bible for us in Psalm 54. I want to put it up on the screen. Psalm 54, to the choir master with the stringed instruments, the masculine of David, when the Ziphites went to told Saul, is not David hiding among us? Uh, and it goes on, and here's what, God, here's what David says. Oh God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. Oh God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Selah. And then it goes on and it says in verse four of Psalm 54, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies in your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good, for he has delivered me from every trouble and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. I love that. Because David says, listen, even though I'm getting resistance in this world, even though I'm called and anointed to be the king, but I'm not the king and the king is chasing me and wanting to kill me, even though I'm not going to kill him, I'm pouring out my heart to God. 
I'm maintaining that communication line. I'm praying to him. I'm prevailing in prayer. A couple last week at, at first Tuesday in our church, I said, I said that we talk about being strong in the Lord, Ephesians chapter six, being we love Ephesians chapter six. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and then take up the full armor. We love to tell people to be strong in the Lord, but we don't like to tell them, or we don't at least think about how to tell them. How do you be strong? And if you go to Ephesians chapter six and you just back up to Ephesians chapter three and Ephesians chapter one, you see that Paul has been praying for the Ephesians to be strong in the power of the Holy Spirit and in their knowledge of God. This is the secret of our strength in God. It is to pray. It is to call out to him. It is to spend time opening the lines of communication in his word, listening to his voice because this world is lying to us. Men are liars. We need to get into our our prayer clauses and be strengthened in our faith because of God's power available to us through the Holy Spirit. Well, that brings me to uh, the next text here in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 23. Let's continue on. So the, the Ziphites come to Saul and say, hey, David's hiding out among us. And look at Saul's response in verse 21. May you be blessed by the Lord for you have had compassion on me. <laughs> Is this really the voice of a king? Is this really the voice of a king? You have had compassion on me. Go yet and make sure. He says, verse 22, know and see the place where, the, where his foot is and, and, and who has seen him. Therefore, it has told me that he is very cunning. See, therefore, and take note of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you. And if he is in the land, I will search him out among the, the thousands of Judah. Like, really, Saul? Like poor little weakling Saul. You've had compassion. Thank you for helping me. This is a man who has lost it. Verse 24, and they rose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon and the Arab of the south of Jeshimon. And Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Moan. And Saul heard that he pursued David in the wilderness of Moan. And we just continue because this is a lot of, you know, chase on Saul's part and running and hiding on David's part. Verse 26, Saul went to one side of the mountain and David and his men to the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul. And Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men were to capture them. A messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come down for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place is called the Rock of Escape. Okay, what happens? As Saul bears down on David, as Saul bears down on David, what happens? A messenger comes and the Philistines are attacking Israel. And guess what? Saul has to depart from chasing David and go and fight against the Philistines. Now, how, now, who do you think? Who do you think helped make that happen? That the Philistines at that moment, right before David was about to be caught by Saul, the Philistines attack Israel so as to interrupt Saul's pursuit. God. God was doing this. So, so here's another, here's another uh, 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 principle of resilience. If you want to be resilient, you've got to trust that God is always ultimately in charge. That's number six. You have to have this, this regular communication with God. You have to value God's assignment over man's assessment. Do what God tells you to do. You got to prevail in prayer. You got to be ready for the hard answers from the Lord and do what he tells you even when other people don't like it. And you have to have that faithful partner like a Jonathan, like a friend that will help you and support you and build you up in prayer. And then last, and then number six, not lastly, you got to trust that God's in charge. Like God is going to orchestrate the movements of the peoples and the nations at just the right time. 
I, I've seen this happen in my life on a regular basis. Just the right time, the right person comes in to my life. And, and, and just when I lose someone I think I can't lose, and then I turn around and there's someone that is the, is the right person for me at that moment in my life. God's ultimately in charge. That's how you can be resilient in the face of resistance. Knowing that God can suddenly stir something up over here that kind of takes the attention of your enemies off of you for a moment and you could focus on doing what God wants you to do. That's what happens here for David. Anyway, going on, because we're not done. Verse 29, and David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engedi. Now moving on into chapter 24, it says this. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, and notice that it says following, not fighting. He should have been fighting, but he was following. <laughs> anyway, when, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went and seek David and his men in, the front, in front of the wild goat's rocks. Now, 3,000 chosen men are chasing David and his 600 men. And, and, and we just see that Saul just has one consuming passion, and that is to get David. He's just out to get him. Your enemy is not going to give up. Okay, so you had a, a momentary reprieve from his attacks. You think he's going to give up? He knows exactly what to do. He knows how to wait you out. He knows how to, to uh, uh, you know, patiently await your next time where you're not as spiritually alert. That's what our, that's what our enemy is going to do. I talked about this last Tuesday night that the, the, the enemy tempts Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights and then Jesus passes the test and then Luke chapter, I think it's four, talks about the fact that the, the enemy left him for a more opportune time. The enemy's, got a, the enemy's patient. Saul comes back and attacks David and look what it says. This is, this is an incredible moment in David's life. Verse three. And he, that is uh, Saul, uh, came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave and Saul went in to relieve himself. This is a funny text where the Bible talks about somebody going to the bathroom. But anyway, now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. Saul goes into the cave where David and his men are hiding. And the men of David said to him, here's the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David rose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Okay, you gotta see this picture. This is a cool picture. David's running from Saul. He runs and hides in a cave. Saul comes chasing after him. And where does he end up? He ends up in the very cave that David's hiding in. And his men are sitting there saying, and he's going to the bathroom. He's going to the bathroom. And, and his men are saying, David, this is your chance to kill him. By the way, he cuts off a corner of his robe without Saul feeling it, which just kind of tells you how sharp David's sword was. Am I right? <laughs> I, just think about the damage that David could have done in this moment. And David's tempted, just like you and I would be. I'd be tempted. I don't know about how you you got your enemies standing there. It's your chance. Take matters into your own hand, right? They didn't even say it. This, the, 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 the Lord has given them into your hand. There it is. This is the key, the key word. But resilience in the, in, in the life of faith is not taking matters into your own hand. It is trusting God. It is prayer. It is partnership with people who know God's promises. Not fighting for your rights. Not doing what this world trains you to do. And David's tempted and he goes and he cuts off a corner of the robe. And immediately he's guilt-ridden. Verse 5. David's heart struck him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put my hand out against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. David has respect for the authority that is in place. 
the authority that even if it's not a godly authority, he has a, he has a healthy respect for it. So David pursued his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. See, here's another key to resilience in a world of resistance. Number seven, you got to resist the pleasure of personal promotion. You got to resist the pleasure of personal promotion. And let's be honest, this is one that most of the world completely ignores. We want to promote self. I mean, we want to we take what's ours. We want to get what's coming to us. It's a world of self-praise. The scripture says in, in Proverbs 27 too, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Learn to let other people praise you, not yourself. This is a culture of self-promotion and the world is all about that. And as Christians, we can be tempted to do questionable things. Now, I'm not talking about hiding. Like we're not supposed to hide what we have. We're not supposed to hide our light under a bushel. No, but there is a, there is a mantra of the world of self-promotion, self-love, self-celebration that we absolutely have to reject. We can, we can let our light so shine that others may see our good works and praise our Father who is in heaven. But at the end of the day, it has to be that we are doing it because God is to be praised, not ourselves. And we let the Lord take care of the results. Like we seek him and let him decide the timing and the stage and the phase of life that we are ready for. Because let's be honest, we're not all ready for the spotlight. Some of you have been wanting the spotlight. You're not ready for it. Some of you have been wanting the promotion. You're not ready for it. God is testing you right now. He is, he is uh, putting the squeeze on your faith. Are you going to be faithful in the little before he entrusts you with much? And by the way, God is a God of promotion. He promoted Abraham. He promoted Moses. He promoted David. But there's a time of training. And that's what we're talking about here. That as you, re, as you are resilient in the, in the season of exile, that you listen to God in prayer. You have that faith partner. You prevail in prayer. You have that faith partner. And then you trust God with the results and the timing. You don't usurp God's timing. Yeah? Let God be God. Let him be in charge of when and, and where you end up in life. I'm telling you. A lot of people have forced God's hand, forced their lives forward. They're not ready for it, and, and they struggle. And I, I remember an old, pro, an old saying. Uh, it was given to me many years ago. Talent can take you where character can't keep you. Talent can take you where character can't keep you. A lot of people get their talent, and then they go to the stratosphere, but their character was never developed because they never learned how to trust God through the hard times, and they weren't prepared with the character that is necessary to maintain those places of importance. And that's what David is experiencing here. Maybe that's what you're experiencing. Anyway, get back to the text. Here's what it says. Afterward, David arose and went out of the cave and called for after Saul. He said, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of your men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? Verse 10. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. David says, Saul, I want you to see what just went down. I want you to be aware of what's going on. I could have killed you, I didn't. Verse 13, see my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there's no wrong or treason in my hands. I'm not like you, he says, basically. I have not sinned against you though you hunt my life to take it. In other words, and this is a, this is a key 
passage for, for David. I'm not going to become like Saul. I, Christian, we are in the world. We're not of the world. We do not let the world shape us into its image. We let God shape our hearts. Verse 12, may the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. Let me give you number, number eight. The resilient life rests in the Lord's promotion. A resilient life rests in the Lord's promotion. We resist personal promotion. We rest in the Lord's. The Lord's timing, okay, is better than our timing. And they're different. <laughs> My timing and God's timing are different. I know when God wants, I mean, I know what I want and when I want, but God has a better and a different plan than me. And so for you, some people might want to be married really early. And God says, no, I need to train you. I need to test you. I need to, I need to put you through some things because if you bring this nonsense into your marriage, it's going to hurt you. You want a child, but God says, wait, I don't know if you're ready yet. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to create some character so that you can be ready for what God has going, what, what God is going to bring you to. Amen. Anyway, getting back into the text. Let's take a look, look, see at where this text goes. Verse 14, after whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog, after a flea. This is David talking. May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver you, deliver me, sorry, from your hand. And as soon, verse 16, as soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, you are more righteous than I. For you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt well with me in all that you did, in all that you did not kill me. I'm sorry, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemies, will he let him go safe? The answer is no, usually. <laughs> so may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. Now, now watch this next line. This is key. This next line out of Saul's mouth. And now behold, I know that you should surely be king. And that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hands. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Check that out. David is told by Saul himself. He says, Saul himself says, I know that you shall surely be king and that your kingdom in Israel shall be established in your hand. By the way, the last time the word hand, which represents power, is mentioned in these two chapters, is mentioned by Saul on his lips saying, you're going to rule. I know this. God's going to give the kingdom into your hand. How does this apply to us as Christians? Guess what, Christians? We are going to rule. We are going to rule and reign with Christ. And guess who knows this more than anyone? The devil. The devil knows this more than anyone. I want to show you something. Revelation chapter 12, verse... Oh, wait. Before we get to that, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Oh, yes. No. Revelation 12, verse 12. It says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. The devil knows that his time is short. So too, you should know that the time of the devil is short. 
This is our trust. This is our faith. We trust not in our own promotion. We trust in the Lord's promotion. The Lord will soon crush Satan under our feet. Romans 16, 15 says, 16, 19, sorry, 16, 19. The Lord will soon crush Satan under our feet. Therefore, we stay humble. We stay under the Lord's authority. Verse 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that the proper time, the proper time, he may exalt you. Exaltation is not bad. See, do you see it? But in a world of people taking matters into their own hands, Christians are the people who say, no, I leave this in God's hands. God's going to put into my hands what is ready for me at the right time. And he says, casting all your anxieties on him. So as you wait, you cast your anxieties. That's Psalm 54. Oh God, hear my prayer. Deliver me, help me out. Right? He cares for you. First Peter 5, 7 says. This is a resilient life. Shall we go through them again? One more time. A resilient life maintains regular communication with God. Are you spending time hearing his voice through the word? Are you spending time calling out to him? You know, scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. So think about those two words, nothing and everything, no thing and everything. Be anxious for no thing. Pray about everything. What's on your heart right now? What's weighing down your mind right now? Pray about it. Then pick up God's word and listen to it. You say, where do I start? New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. God has something to say to you. I've, I've found this true in my life time and time and time again. God's going to say something through his words. It's going to be powerful. It's going to help you. Maintain that communication. Value God's assignment. Like trust that God's assignment is better and more right than man's assessment. Not everybody's going to agree with what God asks you to do. Get over that. You don't need people's approval. Just like David didn't need his men's approval to fight against the men of Keilah. Prevail in prayer. Don't stop praying just because you didn't get the answer you wanted at the right time. And then listen to the Lord and be ready to hear the hard thing, the thing that you may not have wanted to hear. And then have that faithful partner, have that friend who will be with you and will remind you of God's promises. Get in community, get in small group, talk it out. Then trust that God's ultimately in charge, resist self-promotion and rest in the Lord's promotion. That's it. That's a life of resilience in a land of resistance. And so in COVID-19, right, we got we to think about the strategic level. What are we going to resist and what are we not going to resist? What are we going to be resilient under? And what are we going to resist at the right time? I mean, in our own lives too. We have this plan of where we want to go, but the Lord's timing is different than our timing. And we've got to trust that his timing is right. This is not always easy, but because God is faithful, we can be we can be confident that even when we mess up, because David's going to mess up and he already has messed up. We talked about that last time together. The Lord's still going to do what he said he would do in and through our lives. Amen. Do me a favor, support The Deep End at thedeepend.tv slash give, thedeepend.tv slash give, or the cash app, cash tag, thedeependtv, or paypal.me slash thedeependtv. Hey, if you got a question, send them in. 508-316-9333. 508-316-9333, or ask at thedeepend.tv. Make sure you send me a question. If you got any questions, I would love viewer questions. Love to hear from you. Follow us, as I always like to say, Follow us on The Deep End TV, Periscope, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, or just Deep End TV on Twitter. 
Somebody said to me uh, this past Saturday night at church, they said, hey, you keep telling me to communicate with you. How do I do it? At youtube.com slash the deep end TV, youtube.com slash deep end TV. Like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and you will always be aware of when we are live. I am so glad that I was able to bring this content to you. I hope it was a blessing to your life, and I will see you next time on The Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Deep End. We pray it helps you grow in your faith and your walk with Christ. If you don't already have a home church, we invite you to come out to one of our campuses this weekend. Check us out at waterschurch.org to find a location near you and a service time that fits your schedule. Make sure to stay tuned for next week's episode of The Deep End with Tim Hatch.